Show. That's my open? That's what they used to call me, Swivel Hit Bradford. That's my open. I'm okay. waiting for you to so justify what? your stupid opinion. Bradford Show. That's delicious. Big news. When news breaks, the only place to turn for reaction is the Bradford Show podcast. Because we're on fire. John Tomasi. What's going on? <laughs> I like the Bradford Show podcast moving into the 21st century. There's video now. It's uh, not just voices. Now you can see. You can see the passion in our answers. I kind of like. I kind of like the pandemic. <laughs> take that one. Take, <laughs> take that clip. Uh, but there's so many things of like doing podcasts over Zoom. It's just, you know, it's so much easier. It's so much. It, you get the video aspect of it. People feel more comfortable, whereas, you know, before we would do these podcasts, and if you were remote, it was a big, big to do. But now it's just everyone knows how to do Zoom. And, you know, I think what we've done, I think I've done 16 in the last four weeks. Actually, make that 17. You've been a machine. Tori Lovello. And we've only done, I've only had to do two without Zoom. One was Dayton Moore. Which is like you don't want if you if he doesn't offer like a GM like if he doesn't offer you don't really like no go on Zoom you have to do Zoom you don't really go down that road yeah and then David Ross who seemed uh, seemed surprised that we would do it on Zoom and then I said don't worry about it it's fine um, but you uh, this is the first time that you want to be able to do it from a hot tub that's why <laughs> exactly which by the way in 2000 i just had a great conversation with tori lavello which spawned off of a great conversation with david ross about 2013 in september on the off day at the vinoy when they had the and they took over the pool do you remember this at all oh yeah remember this was it uh was it napoli or gomes jumping off the roof basically well so here's a little spoiler for the another upcoming podcast with tori lavello I mentioned this about the, the doing the cannonballs off the Vinoy um, waterfall, which is bizarre because it's like five feet deep. And, and as I was telling this story or talking about this story, I get a voice in the background and it's his wife. And I said, you know, I said, Tori, like, what's, is your wife trying to say something? She's like, yes, she's trying to make it clear that she was one of the ones doing the cannonball off the, off the, uh, <laughs> off the waterfall so um yeah so it, i would it, want credit for that as well it was it was a whole scene anyway speaking of scenes um alex cora is back what are you surprised that's the question are you uh, i hate to give the, well no you know what i will i was gonna say yes and no but i will say yes yes i am surprised because i felt like from the beginning that Hyam Bloom was looking at this as lukewarm on Alex Cora. He was going to try to find somebody else. It's very distracting the way you're looking everywhere except right. My dog, my way. dog just came um, out of the house, and my wife. Fair. Uh, <laughs> um, so I am surprised because I just I thought Bloom was going to pick his own guy. Bloom wanted to go in a different direction. It's pretty clear that he was at least somewhat skeptical of Cora because otherwise you don't go through multiple rounds of interviews with half a dozen people. Uh, if you're just going to settle on the guy who was obvious from the very beginning. So whether ownership sort of nudged him in that direction or whether Bloom just realized, you know what, it's really imp an impossibly difficult ask of somebody, you know, 
uh, like Sam Fold to come in here as a rookie manager when the clubhouse wanted Cora, ownership wanted Cora, the fan base wanted Cora, the media to an extent wanted Cora. That's just a tough spot to put a rookie manager in. So maybe he felt his hands were tied. I don't know. But to answer your question, yeah, I am a little surprised. When it dragged out this long, I thought that we were leading to a different conclusion. How about you? Um, it's, it's, it went in waves. You know, you talk yourself into things. I mean, I think that that's how we're all we're all throughout this entire process. And, and, you know, especially when it came to the fold thing, like I was on the Greg Hill show and it's talking about, you know, obviously this is what ownership wanted. I mean, there's no question. It's how much to your point, how much did the nudge, nudge, wink, wink become the push, push headlock, hire this guy. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, you know, if they hire Sam fold where he would have gotten two weeks of like, Oh my goodness, what a great story. This kid from New Hampshire, a kid from Exeter, a kid, you know, like he has this, this unbelievable backstory with the analytics and, and he's basically the next Kevin Cash, like in a good way. And so like they would have like, it would have gotten to that point where people would be like, oh, this is an interesting thing. Like this wasn't a, um, I'm the Mendoza from the Yankees. It wasn't Rouse and with all due respect to your fine story from the Marlins. Like those guys, like if you hired one of those guys over Alex Cora, forget about it. Like good luck in, in siphoning some of that energy that they need from the fan base. But fold, you might be able to talk yourself into it. So what I'm saying is that like, I guess I'm, when it was announced at the end of the day, I'm not super surprised because I do think I've said this. I mean, I do think that it is hard to get around that if you were just taking the experience of the guy, the skill set of the guy, that he's, he's the best guy for the job. Like, for this job, the best guy for this job. Like, every – and, you know, uh, I think we've, we've gone through different managers at different times, different guys for different jobs, for different teams. John Farrell was a right guy in 2013, undeniably. Alice Corr was a right guy in 2018 probably think he's probably still the right guy right now. Does that answer your question? Yeah, I don't even necessarily disagree with that if you're just looking at it in a vacuum. And certainly if, you know, Dave Dombrowski was still here, then this would be obvious. Although part of me feels like if Dombrowski was still here, Cora wouldn't have been let go to begin with. I always felt like that was a little bit of a reactionary bordering on gutless move by ownership last year. Like if he's your guy, stand by him. If, he, if, you were, if all roads are just going to lead back to him, why didn't you stand by him then and spare me the garbage about mutual decision and all that? I hate that wishy-washy language. It's like you mutually could have unilaterally decided for him that he was going to stay and you didn't do that. So that's what opened the door to Bloom even having the opportunity to pick his own manager. The fact that, you know, you sort of pushed Cora out when you thought it might help your case uh, with another cheating scandal looming. Okay, I get all that. Going back to something you said earlier, though, about him being the next Kevin Cash, I do wonder, and this is a totally baseless conspiracy theory, but hey, that's the era we live in right now, so I'm just going to throw it out there. How much of an impact do you think the beating that Kevin Cash took over what was really an indefensible decision about Blake Snell, you know Red Sox ownership always has their antenna up. We mentioned the word reactionary. They're definitely a which way is the wind blowing kind of organization in a lot of ways. And so when that decision goes down, do you then turn around and hire 
a guy who, if you were going to make any comparison to any other manager in baseball, would probably be Kevin Cash. You know, Sam Fold, former Ray, has ties to that organization. Hasn't been a big league coach, has, you know, been an analytics guy, if you want to call it that. And so if your ownership, can you really stomach Sam Fold being so right on the heels of what happened with Kevin Cash in the Rays and you're just turning yourself into Tampa North? I think that could have, even if it's just a little bit, I think it could have played a role in ownership saying, you know what, let's stick with the guy we know. Well, there's a couple of things to pick through. There's three things. I'm going to try to remember them. All right. First of all, I do think it's a yep. pretty big leap of faith to think that that one moment um, has, has basically uh, defined how they view like the Kevin Cash type candidate, um, it, even though like a lot of people would define it that way. And, and so I, I don't think, you know, I love conspiracy theories. I love like this, the conversation that comes with it. But I, I can't imagine that was part of it. But off of just that, a little bit. I'm just saying. Well, what, what's bit. interesting? Just okay, so what's interesting is, off of that, in that moment, when you get to that moment, like that, what is that manager going to do? I think that's the bigger thing, right? Like Kevin Cash has done a really good job with the Rays. I think that everyone can see that, um, and and he did a good job up until that 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 one decision this time around but that one moment not might define kevin cash in some people's eyes but brought in a broad scope it defined that type of manager more than it defined kevin cash and so my point is that what's going to happen or what would happen when that situation comes up so when alice cora was the manager here for two years we saw him more much more traditionally approach a starting pitching staff than Kevin Cash did, right? Correct? Yep. I mean, even in the postseason, while Dave Roberts is taking out Rich Hill, like Alex Gore, sure, he's taking out guys, but it's more because these guys are wearing down. Like it gets to the yeah, point he let, he let Erod stay in a game where he gave up a homer, but that was trusting his guy. Right. So it's I don't think Alex Cora leans, leans that far down the road like a lot of those guys are. Like, it wasn't only Kevin Cash. It was Dave Roberts. A lot of these managers are doing this because the front office is – and I, I don't buy into the whole front office is telling Kevin Cash every little bit of thing to do. I think Kevin Cash is embracing this as well. But I don't think Alex Cora is – at least what he showed his first two years is along those lines. I do believe, without any evidence at all, that Sam Fold would probably be along those lines, right? And that's that. Maybe you missed that. That was my point. Like Sam Fold being in that Kevin Cash mold, ownership sure. would say we don't need a Tampa guy like. Yeah, that. but I don't we, think. Yeah, I mean, I think it was more of the the philo- I, I guess we're we're saying the same thing. I understand, but where where what I'm saying is that I don't think it's like, oh my goodness. You cannot hire – if someone compares this guy to Kevin Cash, you cannot hire him. It was more of like that way of managing broadly, um, that's a thing that's going to scare people off. The, the, the um, way over the side of analytics, way over the side of that way of thinking. Um, and then the, the, the first – going back to the first thing you said about when they didn't stand by Cora. And I, 
I'll say my wildly popular appearance on the Greg Hill show this morning as I'm overlooking the Atlantic Ocean in Ipswich um, at 9.30 this morning. But, you know, they, they had asked that question and I, you know, I said, what I remember is it was a complete overreaction. And remember, John, like, he, when they made the decision, what was happening that week? Winter weekend? Media availability? There were two big things. There was media availability, and there was winter weekend. And all of that went down just a couple days before. And they were freaking out about it. And at that time, too, Cora was the guy, the guy getting thrown under the bus. Not that he deserves a lot of it, but he was the guy getting thrown under the bus more than anybody because of the immunity and everything else. So it was completely reactionary. Absolutely. I don't know if they're, they're still able to stick by him once he gets suspended, but it was. You, we can't forget how that went down. And, 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 and the ownership should be I don't see why you him. couldn't have stood by him. I mean, he gets suspended. You name an interim manager. Let's not pretend that anyone viewed Ron Renneke as a long-term manager here. So just call it what it is and what it ultimately ended up being. So I always felt like they could have stood by him if they wanted to. But, you know, like we've laid out, they just – they got caught up in the moment instead of seeing the bigger Well, if, if Renneke – Make, uh, makes the playoffs, or let's say wins a round in the playoffs. Does he stay? No. You don't think so? No, because no, because well, first of all, that was never going to happen. You're, so you're, so, you're, you're so dismissive <laughs> and disgusted by that question. That's where that's where the I mean, that's where the video really like. I, I don't really get that just with the audio. Now I see the video. Like you're giving me this spin face. Like no, uh, <laughs> no. no. I mean no, no. <laughs> it's short yeah. and simple. Yeah, right. that's that's fair. So, yeah. so what? So, do you feel? I said, you know, I think all things considered, Alex Gore was the right guy, probably for this job, for this team. Do you feel that way? I'm a little hesitant, only because I'm not sold that he's Bloom's guy, and so I wonder how it's going to work if there is a level of distrust between, or mistrust, or whatever, between the manager and the GM, for lack of a better word, chief baseball officer. That's the only part that worries me. So we know Alex Cora works here. And you think of the guys, Devers, Erod, assuming that he can get healthy. Um, Bogarts, go down the list of players. Benintendi, less so. But the list of guys who we know have played well under Cora and we know respond to Cora, I don't think that's gone anywhere. I don't think that's going to change. So that's hugely important. I worry less about Cora in the clubhouse and more about just if there's any friction between him and the boss. And I've heard, um, you know, suggestions made that, oh, you just named Sam Fold the bench coach. That is lunacy. Like, hey, Alex Cora, the guy that we almost hired over you, now he's going to be there. He can be like, I'm Bloom's eyes and ears in the clubhouse. And the first time you screw up, you're out of here. And he, once he's ready, he's in. So I don't see that happening. Maybe I'll be surprised. I don't know. I've been wrong already because I didn't think they were going to go with Cora here. Uh, so, yeah, I forget what your question was. but there, No, that, that, that was Cora the right guy. And, and oh, I yeah. guess the, here's another thing is that so – and you've pointed this out before, and, and, and you're right to do it. Like, we focus on how good he was in 2018. 2019 wasn't good. It wasn't a good team. A lot of things fell apart. And, you know, this is, this is one of the things that 
you wonder, like, you think that Alex Cora would have learned from 2019, maybe even more than 2018. But, you know, if we have to look at, we were both around, we were both seeing this in 2018, 2019. You know, what do you think that Cora has learned from that? Like, when he comes back, it's not just like, okay, you know what? Let's, let's do 2018. And maybe I just answered that question for you, by the way. Which is if you expect this to be – go ahead. I would just say, I mean, I think you add 2020 to 2019. So between 2019 and 2020, if Alex Cora hasn't learned humility, if nothing else, uh, then I think there would be serious problems. But I think he has. He's a smart guy. Certainly, he didn't just get handed this job. When Brian O'Halloran and Heim Bloom flew to Puerto Rico last week, I believe that Alex Cora certainly needed to sell Bloom, and he did. He must have, you know, because talking to people at the Red Sox today, they they insist up and down that this was Bloom's hire. It was, you know, not forced on him by anyone else. And we do know Bloom's approach is collaborative and all of that. And so I do believe that he's willing to listen to other people's input and not say my way or the highway. So Cora convinced him that something has changed. And that was Bloom's big thing when Cora left, you know, it was basically like Alex needs to do some soul searching, you know, re- image rehabilitation, however he described it. And so let's give Cora the benefit of the doubt. He's a smart guy. I don't think he's going to sit there and say, you need to hire me to do things exactly the way I did before. And I'm not changing a damn thing. It's like, well, you're just coming off suspension. You've been out of work for a year. I think you do have to, to, adjust your approach a little bit and I do believe that he will yeah I agree I think that that was like you said like it's it was a humbling there's been a couple instances of having a humbling experience but the biggest thing for me if you go back to 2018 2019 like this this mentality of like we're turning the page or we're not I can't remember if they were turning the page we're not turning the page we're not turning the page whatever it was it was absolutely the thought that we're just going to pick up right where we left off. And what that, yeah. what that translated into is that our poop doesn't stink when the season starts. You get put on your heels by Seattle and Oakland out of the gate. You never recover. Um, but, like, there was definitely the, the cockiness of that team that you, can't, you just can't have. You, you, know, you just can't have. And now there's no reason to be cocky, both – know in terms of what he went through and what where the team is at let's be honest I mean where the team is at so um yeah it's going to be interesting to see how he changes even in subtle ways I guess I don't know yeah and we should also acknowledge like you just said the team he's coming back to is not a contender it's not even close to being a contender so you know, we shouldn't set unrealistic expectations for the impact that Alex Cora can have. They'll be better than they were in 2020. I would like to believe that Heim Bloom will be allowed to spend a little bit. I think we should be encouraged by the trade deadline, certainly, you know, made a flurry of trades with guys who didn't fit for the most part in the future, other than your guy, Mitch Moreland, who could be coming back. I could think be I coming back. It could, he could be coming back. I mean, uh, and then you can trade him next July, too. Um, So I think he made good moves at the trade deadline. I think you have to look at the Mookie trade and say, you know what, Alex Verdugo is a pretty decent piece to get back in that. I understand you weren't going to win the Mookie trade. There's really no winning that one. But at least you didn't get fleeced. You identified the right centerpiece player for that. So 
Player acquisition-wise, I think there's a lot to be encouraged about by what Bloom has done. They still have such a long way to go that Alex Cora is not going to be the difference between winning a title and not next year. But, you know, maybe he gets them back to the postseason. I don't know. I feel like they're more than a year away. Well, I mean, so, so, like, when you talk about performance on the field, and for them, for the Red Sox, a huge part of this, too, and, and their lot in life is perception in the market, right? I mean, this, is, this comes back to the ownership thing. Like, Alex Cora isn't solving all these problems. But for a franchise that has continuously taken, like, a million steps back throughout 2020 or, and even a little bit before that, like, it's, it's, it's at least creeping forward. It's, it's much like Tanner Houck was creeping forward. Much like two starts from Nick Pavetta was creeping forward, you know, like it's it's a little bit more creeping forward than that. So yeah, well, I will say if they were looking for good PR, announcing this the day that Joe Biden becomes president-elect probably wasn't the best timing. But you know, yeah, look, the election is swallowing up everything right now, so I'm not actually going to rip the Red Sox like a lot of people want to. Oh, how could they? The, once again, the Red Sox missed their moment. Like, what are you supposed to do? Wait until the election yeah. is over? Because it's going to be freaking February. But anyway, yeah. yeah, I digress. All right. Well, you were the first ever person to do the podcast by standing up. So congratulations. <laughs> it's good for my core. <laughs> it's also good for your brand. <laughs> your brand has never been hot. It's good for, it's good for my brand. I'm a stand-up guy. <laughs>